And today I want to talk to you about the perfect spouse. The perfect spouse. How many of you married the perfect spouse? Quit lying. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Got that out of the way, so I'm good now. I feel good. I feel better now. There was a, a mom. She was hanging out with one of her friends, and they were just talking about kids. And she said, you know, my, my daughter, she has met the love of her life. She says this is her perfect spouse. This is the perfect person for her. And she just is crazy about him and talks about how awesome he is. And this is the perfect guy for her. I'm so excited for her. But the interesting thing is this. She came home last night from a date with this guy and she was so upset. She was so mad. She was so angry. Tears were streaming down her face. And I said, baby, what's, what's wrong? What's, what, what happened? Well, why are you so upset? She said, well, he asked me to marry him. She said, well, honey, that's a good thing. I mean, you said he's perfect for you. You, you love him. Why, why, why are you crying and so upset? He said, mom, mom, you have to understand that last night he also told me that he didn't know if he believes in God anymore. She, she said, you, you know, mom, you have to understand. He even said he didn't even believe in hell. Mom, he doesn't even think hell is real, mom. And she was crying and mad. And mom quickly replied, don't worry. Don't worry, honey. Go ahead and get married. And between the two of us, we'll show him how wrong he is. Some of you are slow, but you're worth waiting on. Yeah, mama and mother-in-law had a few things figured out about hell. Praise God. Can I tell you that so many people in the dating stage of a relationship think they've found the perfect spouse. (laughs) They're dating, and he's perfect for me. She is perfect for me. Or they think this, if I could just meet somebody like that, if I could just meet someone like that, then I would be happy. We would have a marriage made in heaven. And I want you to understand there are no perfect marriages. Matter of fact, the marriage that you admire, maybe a grandma and grandpa or or someone that you really look up to and respect and you think, if I could just have a marriage like them, it would be incredible. I just want to meet somebody like her. I just want to meet somebody like him. And I want you to understand something. Every marriage has problems. Every marriage does. Matter of fact, all of our married couples, you know this. You know that after you've been married for 30 minutes, (laughs) there are marriage problems. Two people become one, two people with different backgrounds. They were raised differently, and they come together and become one flesh. And, And the ideal of what you thought marriage was going to be and the reality of what it is can be totally different. Singles, students, to all of our parents that are investing in a student, uh, investing in a kid, uh, investing in a grandkid, I want to encourage us with this. The best way for you to have the ideal marriage you dream of versus the reality of what most people have is to properly prepare for the marriage before you get married. And what I want to do today because I realize that about half of our church is single. I realize as well that 
many of us are raising kids or investing in raising grandkids and this message is going to apply to all of us. So whether you've been married and you're a veteran at marriage and been married 50 plus years, God has something for you today. But I do want to zoom in today about the ideal family. And I want to talk and encourage our singles. I want to encourage our, our students today. And I want to talk to you about three areas of preparation to be the ideal spouse. Three areas of preparation to be the ideal spouse. Or you could say to find the ideal spouse. To find the ideal spouse. And the, the, the first thought I, I want to share with you as we just look at these areas of preparation, I want us to look at the closet. So three areas we're going to look at today. Let's look at the closet. And here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that there really aren't marriage problems. There are single problems. And when single people get married, then there are marriage problems. You see, when you get married, you discover how dysfunctional you truly are. When you get married, you discover how truly dysfunctional the person you got married to truly is. Don't say amen. Don't even smile. <laughs> you see, when you get married, you can no longer run from your issues. See, when you get married, you can't run from your junk anymore. You can't run from your sin anymore. You can't run from your insecurities anymore. You can't run from your stinking thinking or your anger problems. You can't run from your manipulation. You can't run from your personality flaws. You see, when you're single, you can run from all of your issues. You just run. I'm great. Just run away. And you can constantly change friends. You can constantly change apartments. You can constantly change cities. You can constantly change jobs. You can constantly change girlfriends. But when you get married, here's what happens. You got to deal with the real you. And one of the best things you can do before you get married is to deal with the real you. Not the you you pretend to be, but the real you, the you that has anger problems, the, the, the you that has childhood hurts, the, the, the you that has authority issues, the, the you that has a messed up past, the, the lazy you, the controlling you, the selfish you, the lying you, the mean you, the lustful you, the prideful you, the greedy you, the insecure you. Here's what I know. We all have a closet. I won't even ask you to raise your hand if you don't have a closet because you're lying. <laughs> we all have a closet. And singles, I want to admonish you today. Admonish you today. Deal with your closet before you get married. Clean out your closet before you get married. Because if you don't, you will deal with your closet when you do get married. The Bible says it like this in Mark chapter 4 and verse 22. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open. Eventually. A year from now, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. It can come out in the open while you're still single. Or it can come out in the open when you get married. But everything hidden will eventually be brought into the open. And every secret will be brought to the light. Every hidden, every secret issue you have that I have will eventually be brought to the open. And all of you married folks, you know this. All of you that have been married, you, you know this. Every hidden thing, every secret thing, when you get married, it all comes. It all comes out. You thought you married, ma'am. You thought you married Mr. David Banner. 
For those, for those of you not old school like me, he's Bruce Banner. But back in my day, it was David Banner. And, and now, you, now that you're married, that joker done turned into the Incredible Hulk. You're like, who are you? And you thought he was all skinny and meek and mild, David Banner, and that dude. And you're like, where did you come from? Where did this come from? The closet. The closet. You thought you, come on, sir, you thought you, you were marrying little sweet Miss Angel. <laughs> She's just sweet Miss Angel. You got married. That sister turned into Lorena Bobbitt. <laughs> like, what? Whoa. If you don't know who Lorena Bobbitt is, Google it. <laughs> you will be surprised. You're like, where did you come from? Who are you? The closet the closet. You see, your issues will be revealed in marriage and they'll be much tougher to deal with when you're married because now you got two people who got issues. Y'all get married and now you got major issues. You know what happens when married, when you get married is you don't have issues anymore. They're the issue. And it's a whole lot easier to deal with your closet before you get married. John chapter 3 and verse 19 says this, and the judgment is based on this fact. God, God's light came into the world. But people, notice this, people loved the darkness more than the light. Isn't that true? People, people love darkness. Come on, we love the darkness more than light. We want to, come on, we want to hide our closet. Nobody can know my issues. Nobody can know my stuff. Nobody can know what I'm dealing with. Nobody can know my sin, but people love the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. Notice verse 20. All who do evil hate the light. No, I don't want anybody to know my closet. I don't want anybody to know my issues. They hate the light. And notice this, and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. I don't want anybody, I don't want it exposed. I don't want you to know. I don't want you to know I got issues. I, I got a closet. I got major personality flaws. I got a hangups. I don't want anybody to know. They refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. Verse 21 says this, but those who do what is right, that's my hope in this series. That's my hope in this message today, that there would be Holy Spirit conviction and that we would want to do what is right. And scripture says, but those who do what is right, come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Listen, we all have a closet, and here's what I want to encourage you. Clean out your closet before you get married. Some of you are married. Clean out your closet even though you're married. Now bring it to the light. God can change you. Let God help you. Come on, get some Christian professional counseling. Get it in the light. Deal with your closet before you get married. And I would say this to all of our singles today. Let the sweetness wear off on that dating relationship so that you can see the other person's closet. Because they have one. They have one. Oh, no, Pastor. He's just nice. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Homie's got issues. Oh, but Pastor, she's just incredible. You, you, you just don't know her. No, no, no. I do. <laughs> I do. Better than you. <laughs> I don't even know her name, but I know her better than you. She's got a closet. And I'm saying get to know the person. Know their closet. And singles, deal with your closet. Clean your closet before you get married. It'll make a world of difference for you to be the ideal spouse that God desires 
you to be. There's a second thing that I want us to look at today, another area of preparation. We looked at the closet. Now let's look at the closeness, the closeness. One of the biggest ways you can prepare for an ideal biblical marriage is to remain sexually pure until you get married. And for those of you who have failed in this area, as I did when I was in high school, I want you to know some of you failed recently. I want you to know from this day forward, you can make a fresh start and remain sexually pure from this day forward. Here's what I know and I've experienced in my own life. Jesus makes all things new. Jesus makes all things new. I know this in my own life. Remain sexually pure until you get married. And now some of you are thinking, man, I thought pastor was in his 30s. This guy's old-fashioned. Yeah, I'm 38. It'll be 39 in six months. And Man, why does this guy get so old-fashioned? Pastor, you're from the old school. I thought you was a new-style preacher. You know, you wear jeans and things like that. What's, what's up with this old-school stuff? No, 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 no. Here, your pastor. My heart is for you to experience God's best in your life and in your relationships. And the way you experience God's best in your life is to follow God's word, even when it goes against our culture. Follow God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18 says this, flee, run from, get away from it, hightail from sexual immorality, sex outside of a marriage relationship, flee from sexual immorality. You say, oh, of course, I expect the Bible to say that. The Bible is antiquated. It's an old book. The Bible doesn't understand 21st cultural culture. Listen, you're wrong. It is God's word. Can I tell you about the Bible? The Bible offered great wisdom way back then. It offers great wisdom today. And it will offer great wisdom 3,000 years from now when we're flying around like the Jetsons. I'm always believing that for that in my lifetime, but it had happened. Amen. But, but the Bible is God's word. It's inspired. It's infallible. It's not an antiquated, outdated Book, no, the Bible understands what we're going through. God understands what's happening in our culture and how to resolve the problems and the tension and the chaos. And the Bible says flee from sexual immorality. Notice what it says, all other sins. This is key. Come on, everybody shout with me. Midwest City, Oklahoma City, those joining us online around the world. Everybody shout all. We need to catch that. Now, that word all in the Greek means all. I just like to minister to our deep people. Some of you are deep. You're theologically deep. And I'm, I like to hit everybody every once in a while. That word means all. All other sins a person commits are outside their body, outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Word of God says. The Bible says that sexual sin is different than all other sin. It's different. And we know that to be true. Listen, even if you don't know Jesus, you know that to be true. It, it is different. Sexual sin is different than all other sin. Now, don't misunderstand the Bible. The Bible is not saying that sexual sin is, is worse than, any other, than other sins. It's not saying that because that's not true. Sin is sin. Sexual sin is not worse, but it's different. It's different. And, and, and Paul says this to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3. He says, God's will. And here's your pastor's heart. 
I want you to live in God's will. I desire you to live in God's will. It is God's will is for you to be holy. That's not an outdated, antiquated term. That's God's standard. That's God's desire because God wants you to walk in his best. He wants you to experience his blessings. And God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Run from it. Flee from it. Don't get near it. Don't flirt around with it. Stay away from Notice that word all. I don't think I need to do the Greek again for you. All. But Pastor, I just wonder how far too far. I just wonder how far can I go. I was wondering what the line is. Well, what your, your Bible says, stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body. See, sexual sin will cause you to live out of control. We know that. It will cause you to live out of focus. It will cause you to live out, an out of balance life. It says control his own body and live in, here's that word again, live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion or, or out of control or out of focus or out of balance, out of, out of control like the, the, the pagans who do not know God and his ways. They don't know God and his ways. And when a Christian gets involved in sexual sin, they drift away from God and his ways. See, here's what happens. You don't see God clearly when you get involved in sexual sin. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 8, it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see. Notice the word. Come on, everybody say see. I want you to catch that word. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who live a holy life, for they will see God. There is a clarity that comes from purity. There's a clarity. There's a crystal clear clarity that comes from purity. And you don't see God as clearly as you should when you're living an impure life. Hebrews says in chapter 12 and verse 14, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not, notice the word, will not see the Lord, and we have a tendency to think that seeing the Lord only relates to heaven and hell. But, but friends, when a Christian is living an impure life, when a Christian is living in sexual sin, they don't see the Lord. Their clarity gets obscured. They don't see God clearly in their relationships. They don't see God clearly in their family anymore. They don't see God clearly in their career anymore. They don't see God clearly in their friendships anymore. They don't see God clearly in their finances anymore. They don't see God clearly in their future anymore. You don't see God clearly when you are involved in sexual sin. Sexual sin is not worse than any other sin. But it is different than any other sin. And you just don't see clearly. I mean, we know that. If you don't know Jesus today, you know that. You, you make bad decisions when you're involved in sexual sin. You're controlled by lust. 
You do things you never dreamed you would do because you're driven by hormones and not the Holy Spirit. And the scary thing, the scary thing about sexual sin is you don't even know you're not seeing clearly. You think you're seeing just fine. Come on, have you ever pulled up to get your eyes checked? You know, you rolled in, you know, you don't, I don't need no glasses. You know, contacts, I'm good. I drove here, didn't I? I drove here. So, okay, stand on this line. Read the last line for me. Okay, read the line above it. A. I know the top one says E. You can't see. Here, and the doctor sits you down and parts flipping over. This, this one clear or that one clear? How about now? 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 I can see. You get them glasses on. Whoa, that's how I said stop. I didn't know that. Because you can finally see. You thought you could see, but you couldn't see. You were blurred. That's what happens. Because you don't see clearly. You don't see clearly. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 84 and verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor, notices favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Can I tell you that is true? He will bestow honor and favor on you. He will not withhold any good thing from those whose walk is blameless. Verse 12 says, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And when it comes to sexual purity, so many people don't trust God. So many teenagers don't trust God. So many singles don't trust God. So many people miss out on God's favor, his honor, and his blessing upon their life and their future and their marriage because they don't trust God. But pastor, you have to understand, we, we, we love each other. We love each other. We love each other. Trust God. Trust God. He really does know his best. He knows best. He's not trying to keep you from anything. He's trying to keep you for something that's awesome and wonderful. But pastor, pastor, you know, we're going to get married. I'm getting ready to pop the question. We're cool. No, 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 no. Trust God. Trust God. Well, pastor, I've already blown it. I mean, we've already failed, so we might as well just keep on doing it. We've already done No. No, stop today. Commit to sexual purity. Trust. God, because he bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And if you've messed up, if you've blown it, I understand I did. Jesus can make all things new. And from this point forward, you can commit to sexual purity and walk with God's best blessing, favor, and honor on your life and your future. Number three is this. There's a, there's a third thing I want us to look at. We're looking at preparing to be the ideal spouse. We looked at the closet. We looked at the closeness. Now let's look at the companionship. The companionship. Another huge way to prepare for an ideal biblical marriage is to check out the friendships. Check out your friendships and check out their friendships. And I want to talk to you about this just for the next few moments. It's just, it's key. It's foundational to to having a thriving marriage when the Lord blesses you with a spouse. The, the first thought I just want to sow into you today is check out the friendship with their family or make it personal, the friendship with your family. 
the friendship with their family. Check out the family fruit. Come on, if you're taking notes, write down family fruit. Check out the family fruit. Here's what the scripture says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 43. It says, no good tree bears bad fruit. Well, pastor, he's, he's, he's a nice guy. No good tree bears bad fruit. But it's only that way half the time. No good tree. I just want to teach you the scriptures. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Here's what scripture teaches us. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up, stored up in, the, in his heart. Now, the scripture says, for out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Check the fruit. Check out the family fruit. Ladies, ladies, how does he treat his mama? Because how he treats his mama is how he's going to treat you. And if he disrespects his mama, that woman can't tell me nothing. I'm grown. I'm grown. Tell me nothing. The woman going to tell me nothing. Okay. Go ahead and marry him. How does he treat his grandmother? How does he treat his aunts? How does he treat his sister? You think if he doesn't dog out every other woman in his life? But I know he goes, oh, come here, boo. Come here, baby. I understand that. I get all that. But I'm saying check the fruit. Look at how he treats every other woman. If he treats everybody else that way, do you think he's going to treat you different? Check out the fruit. Men, how does she treat her dad? How does she treat the men in her life? Is she disrespectful? Dishonoring? Always talking bad. No man gonna tell me nothing. Nothing. Second man hate men. But I love you. You my boy. You know, it's just my daddy. You know my daddy crazy. You know daddy crazy. <laughs> you crazy too, girl. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to be real with you. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. Go check out the family fruit. Inspect it. Check it out. Check out friendship with others. Friendship with others. Not only family friendship, but friendship with others. And I've taught you this before. It's one of the principles I learned back in college that revolutionized my life. Check out the friendship with others. Who are they close to? Who are you close to? Who do they hang around? After work, who are they gravitating to? After college class is over, who do they go hang out with? Where do they go? Who do they go with? Check, it's important, it's important. Show me your three closest friends and I'll show you your future. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And they may talk a sweet game. But who do they hang around? Who's influencing their life? Who's, it matters who they're hanging out with. It's ma- it matters what they're doing. Check out the friendship with others. 
There's a third thing I want to encourage you. Come on, singles, parents, man, help your, help your student, help your college student. Help, help them in their 20s, 30s. Come on, help, come on, help each other. Help your cousin out. Help your, help your auntie out. Pray. Help your grandma. She might be going crazy right now. Help grandma. Grandma. Do you know who he hangs out with? Number three, friendship with you. How's, the, how's their friendship with you? How, ask yourself this question. How is our friendship with the person that I'm dating? How is the friendship? Singles, I want you to know something that is so pivotal is you want to marry your best friend. You really do. You want to marry your best friend. But pastor, but pa- pastor, she's hot. She's hot. That's, that's what matters to me, pastor. She's hot. Well, she won't always be hot. Trust me. One day, she's not hot. You better hope she's sweet and you like her. Now, my wife's still hot. Amen. Praise the Lord. She's here today. Praise the Lord. You're hot, baby. You're hot. Come on. Pastor, I just want me to marry me a fine man with some money. Fine. Fine. Well, trust me, that one day that brother's going to have a gut. Amen. Come on, I got me a little one. I just hide it well. Praise the Lord. My woman still loves me 16 years. She loves me. But I'm telling you what, we get caught up in such frivolous stuff. Frivolous. How's your friendship? Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 says, there are friends who destroy each other. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. There are friends who destroy each other. Ask yourself this question. Does this person make you more like Jesus or are they destroying destroying your relationship with Jesus? Are they building you up spiritually or are they tearing you down? Are they lifting you higher or are they pulling you downward? Are they pushing you towards the Lord or pulling you away from the Lord? There are friends who destroy each other. And friends, your friendship matters. Check the companionship. The fourth area is friendship with God. Friendship with God. Here's the principle. I've taught you this before, but it's such a foundational principle for you to understand, and that is this. You attract who you are, not what you want. You attract who you are, not what you want. Pastor, I want me to marry me a godly man. I want me a holy woman. But you live like the devil. Those two don't compute. Can I tell you what happens? Is cold people for Jesus attract cold people. You live a cold life, you're going to attract somebody cold. You live a lukewarm life for Jesus, you know, you kind of slip in church a little bit, you know, you kind of do the church thing. You know, Pastor, I love Jesus, you know. I know we came in half high today, but we love the Lord. You know, we, woo, Jesus. What a word. Wasn't that a great word? Pastor preached today. He preached. Yes. And you lukewarm. You got to go through the motion and play church. Can I tell you who you're going to attract? Somebody lukewarm. But can I tell you, when you get red hot for Jesus and you love Jesus and you say, my life is all about Jesus. In him I live and breathe and have my being. God, you're my heir. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to And you're red hot for Jesus. Can I tell you, when you get hot for God, I worship you. I magnify you. I need you more than anything else. I want to please you. I want to live by your word. God, I'm not perfect, but my heart is not perfection. But my direction, my affection is all about you. And when you live like that, can can I tell you, you attract somebody hot for Jesus? I'm not talking about hot like physical because some of you got that down 
I'm talking about hot for Jesus. You attract who you are. And can I tell you, when you get hot for Jesus, you repel the wrong people too. Somebody cold, lukewarm goes out with you. Hey, girl, you want to get in the backseat of the car and pray? No. No, I don't. Now I'm living for Jesus. I got standards. I'm waiting until I get married. Last date. That's cool. I'm great. Because I'm honoring Jesus. The closet. The closeness. The companionship. 